0: I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way before we get into it. Uh-huh. Spoiler warning. Because <laughs> hey, I always forget. Man, right at the top. Yeah, right goes, at the top. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Um, <laughs> hey, we're coming off uh, the Super Bowl. First off, what would you think of the game? It was, man, it was a really good game. First half was a little slow. Overtime game. It came down to the wire. It was fun to watch. I have learned to never bet against Patrick Mahomes. Man, no that matter guy. what. I mean, his defense. He, he can't have the ball last. He can't he have the almost. ball last. Here, here's the formula for the Chiefs. Play good enough defense to keep you in the game, and then Mahomes finally does something when it matters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the guy's incredible. A few trailers during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Do, was there any that caught your eye? I liked uh, I liked A Quiet Place Day 1. Yes. It was one of my favorites. Um, uh, directed by the guy that directed Pig, by the way. Really? How so, about that? Close to home for us here at Proceeding Film. <laughs> uh, that one looked good. I, it, I liked uh, Twister's. Dude. <laughs> Didn't Twister's look good? Did you ever see Twister? Oh, yeah. Love Twister. Oh, Twister's great. Uh, well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and just put that on the list a Twister's Twister for film Twister's episode. For sure. We'll see when it comes out. Dude, Twister has Bill Paxton in it. <laughs> Bill Paxton is prime. Nothing like him, man. Bill Paxton's amazing. Um, and then you got Glenn Powell in this new one. And, and Glenn, so. Glenn Powell's like, I feel like Top Gun Maverick. Is like he's kind of becoming the guy and now. Everyone wants Glenn Powell. He was in that. He was in Anyone But You with Sydney Sweeney, and mm-hmm. so he's 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 the yep. front man for Twisters. And then he's also got this movie called Hitman that's coming out with Richard, uh, directed by Richard Linklater. Excuse mm-hmm. me, co-starring I think Adria Jorna from Andor fame. Andor Hive. We're here. We're alive. Um, so yeah, the dude he's kind of next man up right now. Hitman looks good. I'm Hitman looks for that really one. good. Mm-hmm. We're doing a Hitman Killer preceding film episode. The Why? New David Fincher movie? Yes, because uh, Fincher sent his, sc- his screenplay to Linklater, and I think parts of the film that he was filming, mm-hmm. uh, for him to give notes on how to edit it. Uh, but we're going to talk about a couple of westerns today. And, and let me tell you this, Drew. When you said for this week, let's watch Wind River and Hell or High Water, there are a few things in life that I want to do more than talk about these two movies. Oh my goodness, dude. Such good. And not what you... And we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but not what you think of when you hear... We watched a couple Westerns. Yeah, uh, they're uh, they're modern westerns. So. They're, they're modern westerns, also called I think neo westerns. I've yeah. heard. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship to western movies? Are you a big western guy? My dad is. I'm not. Um, Never got into. Them. No, but I kind of want to. You know, like I want to watch some of the Eastwood classics. What's the the Man Without a Name trilogy? Yeah, right? the man with yeah man or, with no name. The man with no name, something like that. I mean, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is... One of the best movies I've ever seen, right and um, but I know he's done like like unforgivens like thirty years later, but I've heard really good things. We've got unforgiven <laughs> in the docket, don't you worry <laughs> actually, you know we'll talk about it later. but we yeah, have a I'm list like... coming out at the end of this episode, but I'm not really a western guy um, really not up to this point, but pound for pound, I think it might be my favorite genre. <laughs> I'm a big western guy that's a. Loved him up. Love him now. Love him now. My dad, Christopher Nolan, Western. Although I'd say Oppenheimer had some westernish sure. feels to it. Interstellar, kind Interstellar, of. Interstellar, a little bit. The cornfield. Well, it's funny that you say that. I feel like there is, you know, the, the last or the the frontier is a big part of the West, mm-hmm. and then you have the final frontier in sci-fi movies. So that, I mean, the sci-fi movie is almost like the new Western in a lot of ways, right. like the the unexplored land. Exactly. Uh, My dad and everybody that's his age are huge Tombstone fans, so of course I watched Tombstone 45,000 times growing up. Early on in the 60s, that was like the Marvel movies of today. For sure. And you had kind of two different kind of Westerns. You had the American Western, which is more of a a romanticized glorification of the West. Then you also had sort of the spaghetti Westerns, Right. Which Sergio Leone was a big part of uh, making, like popularizing the spaghetti western. Clint Eastwood was his guy mm-hmm. in that Man with No Name trilogy you're talking about. He also had Once Upon a Time in the West. And those were a little bit darker, a little mm-hmm. grittier. Your heroes were not as uh, cut and dry good guys, you know? They were, they were anti heroes, I guess. Yeah. And so since then, as the culture has shifted, westerns have become a lot less popular than they were then. Mm-hmm. And your modern western that we're going to talk about today. You know, it's honestly a little bit more like the spaghetti westerns than it is the the classic American western. You know, it's a lot of this idea of gray area Mm -hmm. morally in in the good versus the bad. It's not a glorification of the West. It's almost, and especially these westerns that are set in modern day, it's this idea of the West has already been conquered for years and it's actually dying. Right. And these are kind of the remnants of the West now. Um, but it, it's, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating genre to me, because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of integral to American stories. Yeah, it is. And sure. uh, But we're going to talk about Taylor Sheridan. And let, let me just say this. Until about two hours ago, I was under the impression that he directed both of these movies. So the first one that we're going to talk about is Wind River, mm-hmm. one of your favorites. Yep. And Hell or High Water, which uh, both of these movies are incredible. David McKenzie directed that one. Uh, Taylor Sheridan wrote Hell or High Water and also wrote and directed Wind River. He also, and let me tell you this, I watched about, in preparation for this, watched about 45 minutes of Sicario as well. Uh, he wrote, Taylor Sheridan wrote Sicario, which is Denis Villeneuve's Ugh. 2000, let me make sure I get this right. 14? 2014, maybe. 15? It's probably 15. Hey, it's 2015, you yeah. nailed it on the head. Oh, so this is interesting. He came, in two thousand fifteen, came out with Sicario, written by Taylor Sheridan. Hell or High Water, twenty sixteen, and River, then 2017. Wind River, twenty seventeen, and then Yellowstone kind of started mm-hmm. coming out here. So, yeah. Taylor Sheridan getting busy around this time. But he must have just had a writer's like whatever the opposite of a block is, inspiration. Writer's block. Writer's sphere. He was in the zone, dude. Um, but yeah, he he really kind of became a household name around this time. And now, I mean, Yellowstone's, I think, the most popular show in America right now. Do you watch that at all? I really don't. And I remember when it came out, I was like, Taylor Sheridan. I mean, I gotta see it. And I probably just didn't give it enough. I think I watched the first episode and was like, nah, I don't know. I'm also, and this is probably controversial, I'm not a big Kevin Costner guy. That's okay. He's not the best actor. He's good in some stuff, but... I don't know. He's no uh, Jeremy Renner or <laughs> Ben Foster or uh, Josh Brolin. He's none of those guys. <laughs> or uh, Kate. What's her name? Why am I, I almost said Kate Winslet. What is uh, which one? Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt. She looks like a Kate, She's, doesn't she? What was her I name think name her name is Kate Sicario. <laughs> That's why. I was like, wait a second. Her name is... I'll say this. Sicario is my favorite of the three. Oh, dude. You know it's what? This phenomenal. might even just turn into a... Uh, <laughs> we'll just throw some Sicario in here. <laughs> oh, dude. When they're driving through Juarez and that music is just like... It's it's nuts. It's so good. Sheridan's like plot and writing with Denis Villeneuve's eye for... Directing, it's like it's a great combination. It's like when Aaron Sorkin wrote Social Network and David Fincher directed it. It's like that's what a powerhouse! What a powerhouse duo. Let's uh let's not talk about Sicario that much, although I have a few Maybe questions about Sicario connected to some of these characters in these other movies. Okay. I'll ask you about it later. Let's talk about Wind River. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: it is like the new a part. Part. and I'm gonna be honest with you, frankly, I
0: thought Wind River. This shows my lack of knowledge about these two movies. I thought Wind River came out first. I really did. In my head, it was that, and then it was Hell or I Water. No, yeah. no, 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 A year apart. Mm-hmm. And this is the newer film. So Corey Lambert, played by Jeremy Renner, is a wildlife officer who finds the body of an 18-year-old woman on an American Indian reservation in snowy Wyoming. When the autopsy reveals that she was raped, FBI agent Jane Banner arrives to investigate. Jane Banner is played by Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. Have a little bit of an Avengers reunion yep. here. Mm-hmm. Teaming up with Lambert as a guide, the duo soon find that their lives are in danger while trying to solve the mystery of the teen's death. Drew, as always, what's your relationship to this movie? So I saw Wind River probably, I want to say, probably saw it later in 2017 after it came out. I saw it at home. I didn't see it in theaters. But it was floored, absolutely floored by it, and it was one of those movies that I immediately, as soon as it was over, I was like, "I want, I want the Blu-ray of this because I want to be able to watch this whenever I can." Right. I love this movie, and I've seen it probably close to a dozen times now. It's uh, it's just one of those that gripped me from the start, got its claws in me. I mean, that's the biggest compliment I can give it. Yeah, I love this movie. It's great. Uh, you know, this and Hell or High Water, both of these were movies I started to see late in high school, and that's when mm-hmm. I was starting to get into movies, really. Yeah, yeah me too. And so, I, in a way, I could say Wind River was one of the movies that kind of shaped my, my tastes, my preferences for when it comes to movies. I mean, it is a it is a solid drama with great acting. You can't ask for much more than that. It's there's, a solid drama. Well, there's really nothing extravagant going on. No. That's what I think a big message of this movie is that most Americans are familiar that Native Americans were not treated well when Andrew Jackson was president. Right. I think that's a, that's a well-known fact. But I think a lot of people, myself included, did not realize how poorly they continue to be treated. It was very insightful for me to see what's going on. Because even though it's not based on a true story, it definitely is based in realism in what is actually going on. Right. Yeah, Wind River, it's it's the name of the Indian Reservation that the murder takes place on. Yeah. And it's... it's based on a real place. Right. It's a story about, you know, these people that live there and they're, like you're saying, I mean, they're kind of discarded by the rest of the country, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, the FBI agent that shows up, they literally just called her from Vegas and she was the closest person ever. I mean, she had no snow gear. It was snowing when she showed up, that kind of thing. She had no idea what she was doing. So, like, obviously, the FBI doesn't care about these sort of things. And actually, at the end of the movie, there's a quick little um, text on the screen that says there are no uh, FBI statistics for missing Native American women, which I found fascinating. It's crazy. Like how is that even not... real? I don't know. This came out... It's crazy. I think this came out seven years ago now, uh-huh. so may, things might have changed. Maybe. Um, but at the time, in 2017... Uh, It's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. And I'm not a big proponent of get your history and or political news from movies. But like you're saying, I'm the same way. Like, I didn't really ever think about how the Native Americans were being treated in present day. Really, kind of until I saw this movie. Yeah, I was the same. And I lived in Oklahoma. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Taylor Sheridan, he he really seems to put a lot of emphasis on people that are still living in the West. And I I put the West in, like, air quotes. Not like... The West geographically, because but cultural high world. waters like Texas, right, 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 Sicarios, Mexico, but yeah, Texas I mean, it, you know, it's about people that are discarded from the big cities, right. Let's talk about some of these characters. Uh Jeremy Renner mm-hmm. plays Corey. What do you think about what do you think about him in this movie, Jeremy? Well, Renner. he's big my Hawkeye MVP guy. He's your MVP. <laughs> we'll go ahead and give it to him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's so good. And I think i I've, I've watched a lot of interviews that Jeremy Renner has done on this movie just because his his performance really, like, got to me. And I was like, I want to know what he thought about his character. And he's even said, he's like, Corey Lambert is probably the closest character to myself that I've ever played. Really? Because like, uh, Jeremy Renner, like, has, like, a house in Tahoe, and, like, he, he likes to be, like, out in the mountains away from the big cities. Like, that's what he wants to do. In fact, you me- do you remember when he... Well, it, was a, it wasn't maybe a year ago when he got, like, super hurt? Yeah. It like a, It was like a snow plowing incident? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I think it was his nephew was about to be, like, run over by something, and he got in his, like, snow cat giant thing and then ended up getting run over by it. But the, the scene where that was is very similar to this it's like very snowy very remote so i think i think he was very comfortable from that perspective of like he understood what it means to live in that kind of area of the country right kind of the desolate area or the just more remote regions of the mountain time zone (laughs) yeah exactly he's your modern day gunslinger. what is he's a tracker for the game and fish commission of Mm -hmm. nevada or wyoming excuse me by the way, I gotta get a job with the Game and Fish Commission. How cool! Man. I just want to go hunt coyotes and lions all day. How awesome would that be? And he's so his character's so good at it. Oh like, yeah, that's it's so cool. To the beginning to see he's the perfect tracker. Yeah, he's amazing. And I mean, obviously, it comes in handy here in the the snowy mm-hmm. Wind River Reservation. But his motivations are clear, right? Like, I think Sheridan does a great job of of showing why he signs up because he's the one that finds the body of Natalie mm-hmm. which is the mystery that everybody trying to who killed Natalie. It does a really good job of showing like why he then wants to help Elizabeth Olsen so much uh, because his daughter was also murdered friends with Natalie. Mm-hmm. And so like from the get go I mean you, you know exactly what his motivations are and yeah. uh, kind of where his heart's at. Yeah. And you know I was kind of reading and looking at some videos Kind of a, a, the analysis of this, uh, this Frontier Trilogy that Sheridan has created. You know, he's, he's your gunslinger, but he, you know how in a lot of these Western movies, the gunslinger goes through this process in the movie to get to their redemption arc, and in the end, you know, they, they're good guys. Uh, Corey has already been through that. And you've got to contrast that with, and again, we weren't going to talk about Sicario, but we are going to talk about Sicario. Alejandro, play, played by Benicio Del Toro, great character, by the way. Oh, Fantastic, Sicario. You know his family was also taken from him, and what does he choose? Revenge, and the opposite, Corey. Whatever you want to call him, probably call him Corey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't choose revenge. Like he he is past that, and he's at a place now where he's trying to help others cope with this idea of suffering. I just I I really like the character. It's probably my favorite Jeremy Renner performance. It's mine, too. He's And I think it's because it's so... It's so in the details, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's very subtle. He doesn't talk much, but, man, you can tell how much this guy's hurting. Yeah. And, like, I can only imagine how hard it is to play that as an actor, where you're like, you really don't have that many lines, but you need the audience to know how deeply affected you are by a situation. Right. And I feel like he does a good job. And I think... Um, the music's really good, too. It's very sad. Like, I love this movie, but, man, it's it's a sad movie. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's... If you're trying to cheer up, don't put on Wind River. There's there's nothing too redeeming about the movie, um, but that's part of the reason why I like it, you know? Like, it is... And I feel like Taylor Sheridan does this in his writing. He's like, he's not here to hollywood a story. Like, no. he, he wants to tell it as truthfully as he can, and then respect or hope that the audience respects that. I appreciated that so much when I saw this when I was seventeen, I was like, man, that that felt like a like a documentary. Yeah. Like it felt real. Something that just happened. Yeah. Right. It's like a I mean, in the end, the guys that killed Natalie are well they're in, they end up being killed. They're not even captured. And we'll talk about I think that's one of your scenes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, like you're saying it, it felt real. It, it's like a, it's a, it's melancholy. It's it, it's not a good ending, but it's not a bad ending necessarily either. Right. Just it's just life. It's yeah, it yep. is life dealing with that that suffering. Cuz I mean, Natalie's parents, they don't feel good about how this ends. Right. Corey even talks to her dad at the end and is like, I mean, you're going to suffer. You're going to it's just something now that's going to be a part of you. That kind of thing. Yeah, but he's able to relate to him in that and help him through. Natalie's father, played by Gil Birmingham, by Who the way, is in both of these. He's movies. in both these movies. It's one of Sheridan's guys. He's <laughs> yeah. also in Yellowstone. Of course he is. Oh yeah, I, I lo- we were talking about this last week, but I love it when a director like has his guys. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. And not only is it Gil Birmingham, but also like four or five different dudes in Wind River yeah. are in Yellowstone <laughs> as well. She it just like, bringing his like, all right, so you cool. guys, are are great. I'm going to yeah. make sure you have a job in my next thing. Exactly. What do you think about uh, Elizabeth Olsen, about her character in here? I like her every, I like her more every time I watch the movie. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, she's all right. Yeah. But like, the more I watch it, the more that I'm, because here's the thing. When you first watch it, you're not really supposed to like her character. She's kind of an intruder, you right. could almost say, like, she's an outsider. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. She doesn't understand what's going on. I mean, she doesn't even come with any sort of winter gear. Right. So she has to completely borrow it unprepared from and- that family, um, Gills, or not Gills, Corey's in-laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, like, they're weary of her. They, they don't want her to wear the ski clothes of their granddaughter. You right. Know? But they—I mean—they have to give it to her. Yeah, and and at the beginning, I was like, I don't know, I didn't think she had a good attitude and whatever. And then, and and as I've watched this movie more and more, I, I like the character more, and then I even more so appreciate Olson's performance. I yeah. think she does a really, really good job because you know, since it's on this Indian reservation, state and local police. Have no jurisdiction. Right, in. like the Wyoming police cannot get involved because mm-hmm. it's federal land. So when this police department, which I is, think they s- say they have six people at one point, That have to cover land the the size of Rhode island, island. And so when they need help with this, they have to go to the feds. But as you said, the FBI has they they don't care. I think that right. that's one of the big messages about the movie is that the government does not care about these people when this land was given over the government promised the native americans hey we're gonna we're gonna help you out here's the land if you need anything yeah come to us and then they need something from them and they send this one inexperienced fbi officer and they're like i don't know just go see what's going on and come back yeah she seems like she's almost like just out of college (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, just out of the academy or whatever uh, a quick shout out to uh, Graham Greene, who plays the the sheriff in this movie. Fantastic Love this guy. man, he's so good. Uh, but Elizabeth Olson, like Jane, her character is kind of the stand in for the audience, right? Yeah, like we are coming in to this land, not knowing anything of what's going on. They kind of help us learn along the way what's happening here, how these people re- like interact with the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this is almost like a normal occurrence, like people people die, people leave, people get kidnapped. And it's just tough. When that's and that's what makes it a western, right? right? Like it's it's kind of an area that is isolated from civilization. Like right. it's its own civilization out here on the Wind River Reservation. They're kind of on their own. And so then something bad happens and there's just not much help. So yeah, I guess I've never thought of this movie as a western. Then you're like, well, yeah, it is. It yeah. follows the same kind yeah. of um, structure that a normal Western would, would follow. Bada bing, bada boom, you know? Do you want to talk about your MVP? I do, I do. Um, the land is what I put on here. No, I mean, the land, the land is a character in this movie in and of itself. Absolutely. I mean, we're in the winter in Wyoming. We're all, all we talk about really is just how harsh it is to live out here. I mean, the first scene is Natalie running in the snow. I mean, and that is what ends up killing her. Mm -hmm. Like, when, when they do the autopsy on the body, obviously she was murdered, and there's evidence of that. But it was the cold that killed her out here. Right. And so, I don't know, just the way Sheridan's able to use Land as a character that a lot of times even, like, hinders... The police investigation, you know, mm-hmm. like if it wasn't for Jeremy Renner, they wouldn't have been able to even track down uh, Matt, his body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And so um, I just like the way Sheridan uses land in here. I mean, it's 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 rough land, and the I mean, the, and the people of Wind River like realize and acknowledge that too. And you can tell that that was important to Taylor Sheridan because it was all filmed on location, and I've seen articles that was like. How hard it was to shoot Wind River because um, apparently it's not easy to get cameras up to these mountains in the middle of Wyoming. <laughs> I, they, I would imagine they had to literally transport them by snowmobile. Do that, and then they the were wild. like, "We have like two hours of sunlight before yeah. it's not going to look good anymore." Right, and so they were like. This is really important. We got to capture what it feels like yeah. to be out here. You can't get that on a set. You can't be that on a set or a green screen or whatever. It would have. This would have been a bad movie. Yeah, if it they weren't been like, in the land of Wyoming. So, I, yeah, I think um, I think that's a really good pick because I think that was a really a central point of this movie. Is like, what is it? What's it like to live out here? Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and get into favorite scene. I, w- I want to hear your favorite scene here. So, um And this what? might end up just like giving us the rest of the movie as right. lead up to yeah, the exactly. favorite scene. So, Natalie's dating a guy who works at this like oil rig. And quick pause. When I when I was watching this movie, I texted you, John Bernthal is my Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Anytime John Bernthal shows up anything, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, man. You're like, man, this guy's good. And it's he's a, fantastic. He has a It's like, a very disturbing scene, is One scene. In- scene. He's he got one scene. It. Oh man, scene stealer. Any anytime, Jim Burnthall's in a movie, it's his movie now. Okay, who? Guess what? Also in Sicario, ah, he is. And He's fantastic. He's crazy in that movie. <laughs> but yeah, we're part of the Burnthall hive. Listen to Real Ones, great podcast. He just brings is it on, his podcast. Yeah, he just brings on Real Ones. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So she's dating Matt, John yes. Burnthall, and he's working out at this oil rig. Like yeah, doing security in the off season, mm-hmm. and um, so she goes to visit him, and then like a lot of the other oil rig guys show up and they're drunk, and one in particular is like kind of getting in their space, and at the beginning you're like I don't know they're being really annoying, you're like just get out of their room, but like you no know, I didn't think there was any real threat, I was right. like a eh, bunch of drunk guys just get out of the room, and then it turns quickly yeah and, like all of a sudden. People are fighting, and, and you're like, oh, this is kind of getting bad. And then it gets really bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a very disturbing scene. Rewatching yes. it, it's been, it been a while since I've seen the movie. Was, say, trigger warning here? It, for sure, yeah. Um, it, it's tough to watch. It, it's tough to watch, but, uh, you know, Natalie is assaulted, and then um, like she escapes, Matt gets killed. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously it's necessary for the story for the movie. It is, it's the murder part of the murder mystery. Yeah. Matt's trying to defend Natalie. As he's trying to fight back, they end up killing him because they right. team up on him and, and beat him to death. And she escapes and then she's running. And that's the beginning of the movie where you see her running. She's barefoot. She doesn't have her clothes on or like her proper snow clothes on. And six miles away from the oil rig, she eventually, she succumbs to the cold. By the end of the movie, they, they confront the guys at the oil rig, uh, they meaning the cops. Let me just tell you, these security workers of the oil rig uh, could peg from the minute I saw them that they were the bad guys. I know. That terrible guy, job. That first guy where he's like, I don't know, he says something, uh, but even just the way he said it, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, those guys were terrible at covering it up from the gate. They were awful. But the main guy of the group, they're all bad, but one of them was kind of the catalyst for everything that happened. That's Pete. Pete. Pete sucks. Uh, the actor's name is like, it's really generic. It's like James Jordan or something like that. Can you find it for me? I gotcha. It, it, b- bingo. It James, James Jordan? Jordan. Hey, Also in Yellowstone. I gotta say... Props to him, because there are a few movie characters that I hate as much as Pete. Dude, Pete is... And I I don't know exactly how to put this, but, like, that dude is just low. You know what I mean? He's just one of the worst human beings you can encounter. I think pathetic is the best word for Pete. Yeah, he's awful. And so there's kind of a shootout scene, which I believe is your favorite scene, so I'll let you detail it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he escapes... Or so you think, but of course, uh, Corey's like the best tracker in the world. And he's like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> he Dude comes out of nowhere. Like Batman in the snow, just not the butt of his gun. It's amazing. And then he brings him up to a mountain and what great writing. I love it so much where, um, uh, he's taken his boots off and he like gets Pete to admit what he did. And he's like, if you're honest with me, I'll give you a chance. And so he, he admits it. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm a man of my word. I'll give you a chance. Natalie made it six miles barefoot in the cold. Yeah. And I'm taking you six miles away from the nearest highway. So if you can make it as far as she did, you're a free man. And Pete makes it like 600 feet. yeah, <laughs> and, and peels over. Barely anything. He dies, he gets succumbed to the cold. And then when Jeremy Renner's talking about that... Um, to jane i love how sometimes i'll use the actor's name and also the character's name Corey when he's talking to jane hard to flip (laughs) on it's just jeremy renner in the snow is what it is um you know he talks about like how much of a like a warrior she was compared to him i think that's another thing sheridan was highlighting like these people live in such hardship that they get hardened to like not just the elements but just life in general yeah, and uh, but you, I, I like that scene. Good scene. Oh, it's it's so justifying. Where the the whole premise of the movie is how wronged Natalie was. Yeah, like she didn't deserve that at all. Right, and and she she had her life taken away from her by these horrible people. Um, so at the end, when you get like the main guy who did it to her, and be like, "All right, let's uh, let's put you in the same scenario. We'll see how you fare." I think he says it at the end to uh, Gil Birmingham. He's like, how'd he go out? And he goes, with a whimper. You're like, nice. That's good, man. And then, yeah, Pete, um, when he sees his feet have gotten uh, frostbite, he's like, where's my boots? Oh my gosh. Dude starts just freaking out. Yeah, and then he's just like, a pathetic little guy. And he's asking him, like, why'd you do it? And he has this rant where he's like, "There's nothing to do here. It's just cold and just snow. Ain't no women, <laughs> just snow." That's a guy who, what, spent I guess a couple of months in this hardship and then couldn't take it anymore. Right? Just couldn't take it. Yeah, and uh, these people lived their whole lives there. Yeah, that's that's a very good scene. Good. It's such a good. I mean, it's so hard to write a climax that is that. Liberating, yeah. Like, like I, I think so many movies do a really good job of building something up, but it is so hard to stick the landing. And exactly I think right. those are the movies that really stick with me are the ones that that get you to that point and then they deliver. And they and stick. Like, that is that is why I was watching this movie. So right. props exactly to Wind right. River. Props to Wind River, man. All right, my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. It's I guess it's kind of a two parter, right? Yeah. Because so. The investigation leads them to the security uh, area at the mining site, right? And who are they with at this point? Jane is with... Uh, if she's with... Is it the Nevada or the Wyoming police at this point? Well, it's the, it's the Indian police. Yeah, but there's like two white guys with them. Well, I, I think they're meant to be part of the... One of them's in Yellowstone. He's one of the ranchers. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> regardless... The investigation leads them to uh, this mining site where the security guys are posted up. And they are like, hey, we need to see Matt's trailer. Uh, We need to see what's going on here. And again, immediately, these guys are like, oh, well, uh, I don't know. Everything seems to be fine. You know, he left a couple of days ago, blah, 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 blah. Terrible at their job. There's one point where she mentions the murder of Natalie but doesn't use her name. And then the head security guy is like, oh, well, that Natalie girl. And she's like, wait a second, I didn't say her name. And as, like, she starts to think that something is wrong, the guy, the security guys start flanking yeah, Jane and the other, the other officers. And I, I don't know exactly why I think it's such a, like, harrowing scene to me, but the way the dude is like, Wait, why are you flanking me right now, dude? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, "Oh, you're flanking me. And then all of a sudden, everybody's drawing their guns. And it's just, it, it's, it's hard, it's hard racing. Yeah. It's a good scene. And it's, it's again, it's super subtle. Right. Like you don't notice it. And then, like, you, he just makes a, a You're right. He's like, why are you flanking me? And then you, you start to notice. Me? You're like, oh, yeah. They're, and it's like, again, it's like, it's standoff 101. Yeah. Right? It's phenomenal. Yeah, that's a good point. It is kind of subtle. Like, you do see him sort of shift, but you don't think about it until that guy's like, wait a second. Because, like, I mean, even Jane didn't notice it, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, they Everybody draws their guns. Everybody's like, I'm going to shoot you in the face. It's a huge standoff. And then Jane is like, Hey, I'm the only one with actual jurisdiction here. So calm down. We need to see Matt's trailer. And so they all go to Matt's trailer. And the head security guy is like, This was hilarious to me. Because he was like, Hey, you got two, sec- uh, two officers right in front of the door here. And so there's a quit. there's that flashback to John Bernthal. And at this point, I thought John Bernthal was the bad guy. I really did. Because they like show him walking to the door, and when he opens it, it's Natalie. So you know that it's the flashback. But then they cut back, and all of a sudden, bullets start coming out of the door. Uh, Jane gets shot. Uh, my beloved officer, I gotta get his yeah. name real quick. I don't know, it's Graham Green. But my beloved, character's, my beloved officer Shoyo gets killed. Everybody pretty much gets killed except for for Jane here and Pete, mm-hmm. because why? Jeremy Renner with his sniper in the snow is taking everybody out. It's a really good shootout, I think. It's it's scary, it's real up close and personal, that kind of stuff. It's just it, it's good action filmmaking for a movie that's really not all about action. Yeah, it's really the only. I guess there's there's one other scene earlier in the movie that where they're uh, they're going to find. Uh, Natalie's brother that kind of ends up being a shootout but those are really the two, only two action yeah. scenes in the whole movie um, which for most murder mysteries isn't the case exactly um, but they're done so well if they weren't good you'd be like well, that was a waste but yeah. they're both done so well um, that that's all you need right uh, any criticisms for you Drew? Uh, the only criticism I have is the first 15 minutes are a little slow that's um, fair I get they're trying to kind of build up, um, you know, Jeremy Renner, or Corey. He has a a son that's still alive, and he has an ex-wife. So there's some kind of some tension there um, that they're exploring. But it just – it takes a little bit to get going. Right. So if you're watching this movie, and you're checking your watch, and you're 15 minutes in, and you're like – there's nothing going on. Keep it going. Just stick it out just a little bit longer, because pretty much as soon as he finds Natalie's body, from there to the end, it is... pound for pound One of the best movies I've ever seen. It's beautiful. Here's my thing. Big Taylor Sheridan guy. Love Yellowstone. His dialogue is not the most natural, if that makes sense. There's a few th- scenes in particular. I'm like, that's not really how humans talk. Like, Can you think of any? Yeah, so when... Uh, Corey is talking to his wife early on and she's like oh well I'm getting this job up in Jackson Jackson Hole which is like a very expensive place and he's like well be careful when you're driving through uh, I can't remember the town and she goes well I'm never going through that town again you can drive me with a shovel down whatever you know whatever she says right. my point is that's uh, a little dramatic my point is a little heavy handed yep and all I'm saying is, is that Taylor Sheridan doesn't always have the best dialogue. And this is coming from a Yellowstone diehard over here, okay? He's but, a really good... I think he's really good at constructing stories and, you know, drawing up scenarios that make you feel like yeah. you're there. Um, but yeah. But sometimes he... Maybe he needs someone to write the dialogue He ne- Sometimes he just needs, I think, a little help with, like, direction of what people are trying to say. That yeah. kind of thing. Which is why... Transition. Hell or High Water, directed by David Mackenzie, I think it's such a fantastic film. Have you seen any other David Mackenzie movies? No, I have not. I haven't either. He has another movie with Chris Pine, which came out on Netflix a few years ago, and it is called The Outlaw King. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen that. Have you seen Perfect Sense? No. Have you seen Startup? I've heard of Startup. I've heard it's really good. You've heard of Startup? Yeah, it's I like really um, it. it's I got I think I can tell you the premise actually. It's like a son who's, like, in prison, and his dad's in prison or something, and, like, if you're on, like, good behavior, you get starred up to, like, a better prison? I, I might have butchered that. Ding, ding, ding. You're exactly right. he has yeah. got Ben Mendelsohn in here. Ben Mendelsohn? Dude, that's uh, another... I think we should watch it. That's <laughs> another one of those. Guys. You know what? Put it on the list. That and Shot Caller, which has John Bernthal in it. Oh, my goodness. A Ben Mendelsohn, John Bernthal episode? whoo somehow get paul giamatti in there yeah of course we'll <laughs> throw a big fat liner in there <laughs> oh yes david mckenzie oh hello high water can i can i do one more wind river thing? Uh, yes please okay oscar snub to the nth degree he's yeah it wasn't talked about at all mm-hmm. i'm curious what goes into what gets nominated oscars and what doesn't so i think this is what happened Wind River was like one of the last movies that Harvey Weinstein produced. Okay. But I think by the time it came out, it was all of his stuff had come out and I think the Academy was just like we're not going to nominate not a nominating... Weinstein movie. Which listen, Weinstein horrible person did a lot of horrible things. But don't punish the the actual people who were involved in the movie. Like Weinstein didn't do anything with the movie. He just his company provided the money for it sheridan and renner and olsen like i feel like all of those should have gotten at least nominations i think they should have won yeah but they got no recognition i remember like again 2015 was probably the first year i really got into oscars so this is like 2018 and i there were no wind river nominations and i was like this is egregious And you're like, <laughs> how I'm in done. the world boycotting the oscars but i'm pretty sure that's what happened That actually that makes sense. You know, not always, but I think a lot of times it is sort of like a a political award show in that, not like a you know presidential election. And that's not what I mean by political, but I do mean like a lot of their decisions are not necessarily merit based. Right. You know what I mean. But you know, it did get four Academy Award nominations: hell or high water, dude. Best picture, best supporting actor from Jeff Bridges, best original screenplay. And Best Film Editing. And let me, let me tell you this. I think there might have even been a snub for Ben Foster for Best Supporting Actor as well. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about him later. Big fan of him in that movie. What is, what is Hell or High Water about, you ask? Well, Toby, played by Chris Pine, is a divorced father who's trying to make a better life for his son. His brother Tanner is an ex-convict with a short temper and a loose trigger finger. Together they plan a series of heists against the bank that's about to foreclose on their family ranch. Standing in their way is Marcus, a Texas ranger who's only weeks away from retirement. As the siblings plot their final robbery, they must also prepare for a showdown with a crafty lawman who's not ready to ride off into the sunset. Drew, what is your relationship to this movie? So my dad loves Hell or High Water. As he should. He loves it. Oh man, what a film. Now I've seen it twice, both times with him, and uh, I've enjoyed it both times. Uh, but just any time I hear this movie, I think of, I'm like, ah, dad likes that one. That's my relationship to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think this movie's incredible. I really do. I was blown away the first time I saw it. I think I saw it because it was nominated for an Oscar. I was like, "Man, people really like digging this movie," mm-hmm. and I can see why. I mean, it's it's a modern western in every sense of the word, and I think one of the best films to come out in the last mm. since 2010, I would say. In my humble opinion, Drew, it sounds like that your relationship to Hell or High Water is similar that mine is to Wind River. I think so, which is kind of cool. But I think both these movies are great. I do too. I do yeah. too, for sure. No, it's yeah, it's incredible. Obviously, these guys are Robin Banks, but a big theme of the movie is people getting left in the past with the new wave, the new thing, right? So you see a lot of shots of like old. Uh, towns that are just in in ruin you have the jeff bridges character who is about to be forced into retirement because he's old shout out jeff bridges by the way plays a great old sheriff this and true grit is fantastic for the jeff bridges sheriff canon i mean even the the main guys toby and tanner it's always hard to remember people's names when you're talking about them. and on, we just a have mic. a really bad time of also going back to the actors' names. <laughs> yeah. I think the people, yeah, Chris Pine and Ben people Foster. People who listen to the podcast are like, how many characters are in this movie? Yeah. I mean, even Toby and Tony, you got to think about them, right? Like, they never say it explicitly, but they are not college-educated, would be my guess. I mean, they, they are guys of the past in a lot of ways. I mean, like, Toby, I mean, he worked, on, uh, worked for a natural gas company, and... Um, like, it's just, it's just old blue-collar work yeah. that the new world is not all about. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a big thing. And you see a lot of this in, like, the shot composition. Rewatching this movie over the week, I was blown away by how everything has an intention in this movie. I can think of a few scenes in specifically, but just everything points to what the story is is being told. And I'm not telling exactly what the scene is yet because it might or may not be my MVP, so we're going to wait a little bit. But the blocking and the, the composition in each shot, I was just blown away by how it added to the story. Everything had a purpose. I thought it was great. Yeah, and again, it's one of those movies shot like on location. Like You can tell you're in West Texas. This isn't a a Hollywood set that is trying to look like West Texas. And I'm wondering if that gives the director more freedom. You're not just confound to this set that you created, but like you, you've basically got this entire town to work with. I, maybe that gives you more freedom as a director to be like, okay, now we want to get this in the shot. Yeah, we make sure that this goes here and the truck's gonna go here. And I don't know. I, it it would seem to me that that would give you more opportunities to yeah. kind of play with the camera and the landscape. I think you're right. And like when River, I mean, I think the land is a character in and of itself here. I mean, it's vast. I think so too. It's it's dry, it's, it's, uh, it's harsh, I guess is the right word, and I mean, we're living in an area where life is harsh again, like everybody is in economic turmoil here. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, West, West Texas is a great place. Let me ask you this, I'm a huge fan of like needle drops in movies, it's like, you know, when a song comes on. This movie has maybe five or six needle drops, are you, are you a fan of needle drops in movies, Drew? Yeah, I think if they're done well, then I love them. <laughs> but if they're forced, you're like, okay, what are we doing? Here? Right, you're like, okay, well, that was a little on the nose. I mean, these might be forced, but they're all country songs, so I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what it's all about. Yeah, and I think, uh, again, I think there's there's nothing over the top about Hell or High Water. It is very grounded. It's very intentional. Um, it's subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just, I guess, that's just how Ter- Taylor Sheridan writes. Like, yeah. There, there's nothing glamorized about right. his stories. Again, if you tried to glamorize this story, it wouldn't work. Because it's, not a, it's yeah. not a glamorous world they're in. I think one of the great parts uh, about this movie, and this goes back to the writing of Sheridan, is this idea of, of show, don't tell. You know, Which, if you hear people talk about writing stuff, they're always like, show, don't tell. I remember even in our journalism classes, show, don't tell. And what does that mean? So like in this movie specifically you see them robbing banks, right? You see them having this plan but they never say we're doing this so that we can save our mom's ranch, right? Now you see it happen. You see them like launder the money at a casino. You see them then go to a bank to start like get the trust to get the house back, right? It, it, it's it's great storytelling in not even in not dialogue and just the story and the plot itself right and if the story is good enough mm-hmm. then you don't have to do that no filmmaker wants to handhold the audience the whole way through yeah. now if your are if your story's no good then you might have to because <laughs> otherwise there have been plenty of movies i've seen where the, i think the director didn't want to handhold the audience and because of that i was lost i was like i, I don't know what's going on right now but this story yeah they have you can connect the dots. It's very easy, and you don't feel like Chris Pine's looking at the camera, going, "Okay, and now we're going to do this." No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> he's not Daffy Duck looking at the looking right. at the camera saying, yeah. "This is about to happen," you know. Yeah, um, I like the, the two the two dynamics here, right? So you have two duos. Mm-hmm. You have the brothers. Uh, you have uh, Toby and Tanner, and then you have the two cops which are played by Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham. And so I love how each of them play off of each other. In a lot of ways, I think they're like they're, they're foils, right? So the two main guys, I would say, are, are Toby yep, and Jeff Bridges is Marcus. And then you just have Tanner, who is kind of the wild card out of all four of those guys. And then you have Alberto, who is, when you think about it, kind of like the cleanest and the most sane guy yep, out of just, all of them. Just steady. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like the dynamic of of those two guys, of, of those two duos. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh man, I do too. Both have great chemistry. Yeah, and I, I'll say it now. My my MVP is Jeff Bridges. I think he's fantastic. Jeff Bridges is one of my favorite actors. Yeah, never a bad role that he's in. I mean, when I watched this, I felt like they could have just gone to Texas and found a sheriff, and they were like, "Do you want to be in a movie?" And he was he would have said something like and they would have been like well, okay. great sign up <laughs> all right i'll do it he's got a great, great mustache great mustache i was gonna say just great like country voice this yeah, and true grit are kind of the similar voices mm-hmm. that he uses uh but yeah i like jeff bridge's character a lot i and i think obviously the fact that he's retiring um this is like kind of his last big his last hurrah yeah um it puts a little bit more um, urgency on what's going on. You right. know, if it was just any other case, like it'd still be good. But the fact that he's like, like I gotta, I gotta figure out what's going on here because this is my last, yeah, in my last case. Again, they never say this, but I mean, you kind of tell he doesn't want to retire. He right. doesn't want to yeah. ride off in the sunset. They're pushing him out. Honestly, I think he kind of wants to die finding these guys. You know, I think he wants to die in a a blaze of glory, really. Which makes it that much more heartbreaking that it's Alberto who ends up dying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Alberto that ends up dying. I mean, you see Jeff Bridges looking, Marcus looking at him, and the dude's heartbroken.
1: Yeah, and it's like... Alberto
0: was the one that wanted to, like, fish on a boat and hang out with his wife. And And, listen to modern Christian rock. (laughs) Right, yeah. And you know they're um they're such a fun duo cuz they really like they give each other a hard time and they kind of make fun of each other but like man you can tell they're like they're friends they're like, almost brothers yeah there's nothing worse than seeing your friend get shot right next to you yeah and who's he killed by tanner right again like what great writing that like he's not he not shot by some rando criminal no it's a it's guy that you've gone through this journey with the whole time Right. So it's even like it creates some ambivalence between you as a viewer that's like, well, dang, I didn't want Alberto to get shot, but like, I also totally get where Tanner's coming from. And that, that is where I'm not conflicted because my MVP is Ben Foster because I think he does a phenomenal job of being nuanced to where he's not a good guy, not a good guy at all. But at the same time, like, he loves his brother, and he's trying to do good by him and his brother's family. And yeah. I think Ben Foster plays that, albeit insanely, plays that phenomenally. And then even at the end, like he knows he's going to die by luring the cops away and shooting at them while Chris Pine drives the other way with all the money. And so, um, yeah, I think he's my MVP. I, I think that's just a fantastic character. And uh, fantastic performance by Ben Foster, guy that doesn't get a lot of respect. Ben Foster, we need more Ben Foster in here. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've seen him in um, Leave No Trace. Have you seen that one? I have not seen Leave No Trace. It's a really good one. Um, he's again, he's kind of a crazy person in that one. <laughs> he does um, crazy pretty well. He does well. crazy well. But... He was also in Lone Survivor. He was one of the the seals. Mm. The dude rocks. So what's what's your favorite scene in this movie? What's my favorite scene? There's a scene where. They go to a gas station. They're on their way to the Indian casino to launder money. Toby goes in to like buy something and Tanner is just sitting there in the car. There's this horse, right? There's this guy on a horse that is leaving and as he is going out of the shot as the old ways leave, this green Camaro drives up, right? And these dudes are just blasting this screamo music and so you see the, the new ways coming in. And the new way isn't better. I, this, I think this movie is saying the new age is not good. But Tanner just keeps staring at the guy who's driving the car. And the guy's like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And he like draws this gun. And like, as he's about to like, get out of the car and try to fight Tanner, Chris Pine comes out of nowhere, hits his head on the, on the door, beats him up, and uh, Tanner the whole time is like, boy, you would have thought there were 10 of me. <laughs> and as they're driving away, he said, I told you, 10 of me. It's a, good, it's a good scene on the surface. It's one of those like, oh, heck yeah, kind of scenes, you know, where mm-hmm. just some bleep hole gets what's coming to him, you know. Yeah. But also at the same time, you know, I'm talking about it's the old ways being replaced by the new ways. But also when you think of Tanner, there's a scene with, uh, at the casino with a Native American man who's an Apache And he finds out what Apache means. It means enemy of everybody. Lord of the Plains, enemy of everybody. Like two different meanings. And um, so he looks at the guy. Tanner does. He's like, you know what that makes me? And the guy's like, an enemy. He says, no, that makes me an Apache. And so, I mean, it's that other scene of like, Tanner is an enemy of everybody. But he uses that to kind of save his brother in the end. Yeah. Good scene. I like to see Toby's definitely the more redeemable character of the two. Right. Which again, like... If it was just Tanner kind of doing this on his own, you'd be like, wow, what a evil. (laughs) But the fact that he's doing it with his brother, who is, uh, I think you can probably deduce that he's a good person. And he's, and he's, yeah, he's literally. He makes some bad choices, sure. Um, Right. But like, where his heart's at. He drinks a beer with a 16 year old son. (laughs) But it's a hard to heart. Right, it is. But yeah, I mean, Toby's not the bad guy. Toby literally is robbing banks. To be able to buy the house from the bank. He, he's actually he's stealing from the banks that are trying to foreclose on his mom's ranch, which just found natural gas, and they're about to make $25,000 a month off of it, that kind of thing. And so, I mean, it's a little bit of like a Robin Hood thing. Yeah, and it's whereas... where it, it's... conflicting, but you're not like... Well... Oh, and there's there's a great... Hey, we dropped the name of the movie in here. They're like, you best be at the bank... Come hell or high water Thursday, because they're closing. There's a YouTube channel called Screen Junkies uh-huh. that does videos. It's online. pretty good. Have you seen Screen Junkies? I have. I love anytime time that they're doing something on a movie like that, and the movie says the title in it, they always go, roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that every time I hear a movie title in the movie, exactly. roll credits. What's your favorite scene? I think any of the bank robberies, they're all done really well. Because you think of a bank robbery in a movie, and like... I, I have an image of what that looks like, and this is not really at all what that I is. think it's a town. What do you think? I think um, SpongeBob. <laughs> what, well, when they have the, he's got sock, the sock over his head th- and he's pointed the other way? Yeah, it's like, put the money in the <laughs> bag! <laughs> he's like, they end, up opening up a, <laughs> they end up opening a deposit. <laughs> a savings account. Anyway. But when you think of bank robbery... And, and part of it is that these are very small banks. Like, it's like one of those towns that is only big enough for one bank, and there's probably only like 100 people who have, like, a little bit of money in it. Yeah. So it's not like these big extravagant no, 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 banks no. where they... You drill into the vault in the back and start loading up the gold. It's these very humble... It's, it's a little heist. Yeah. And, um, and they're quick. And they're kind of like, you can tell that um, at least Toby, for sure, he doesn't want to be there. He's, He's scared. Like, we just got to get in and get out because I don't want to do this. They're really well done. I, I I haven't really seen a bank robbery scene like that before. So I was like, that's cool. I like um, how like the first two or three are very small, like you're saying. And then things start to go south. They're trying to hit up this one bank that's also small but it ends up being closed. But they got to get enough money to be able to re- buy the house. So they're like, oh, well, we got to try one in, I think, Midland. Right, which in mean, their context is like big town. It's big town. Well, when they walk in, there's, what, 20 people there right. trying to get a like, deposit? Oh, no. Well, I mean, like, it shows a close-up of like, Chris Pine's, like, face. And, the, I mean, you can see it in his eyes. Yeah, his eyes are wearing a ski mask, but, I mean, he's like... Uh, we are in it over our head as yeah. we're walking in there, yeah. Uh, and obviously, things go south. Mm-hmm. All of those guys, great little Texas detail, they all have concealed carry. So, right, yeah. I mean, as, they're, as guns, they're running out, there's yeah. like five guys in their trucks that are like shooting at them. And I really like also the scene where they're at the restaurant, like at the diner, and uh, Chris Pines like talking to the waitress and he gives her a big tip, and like, and then. Tanner is across the street robbing the place. Yeah. and I don't know, but I liked that scene between Toby and the waitress. Yeah. Um, it was like just kind of a not a heart-to-heart, but just kind of a genuine interaction. Right. He doesn't want to be robbing these places. He just wants to be doing his thing. And then the cops go and interview her later, and they're like, you know, this guy's a bad guy. And she's like, well, he was very nice to me. <laughs> Gave me a $300 tip. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Jeff Bridges interacts with those old guys. He's like, you didn't happen to see the two gentlemen sitting over there. He goes, well, well we had enough time to see them rob the bank. But even they were like, oh, we kind of like those guys because we've seen that bank robbing from us for 25 years, you know? I think that's a a central kind of question of the movie, right? It's like... They're obviously not doing good things by robbing banks, but like, can you make the argument that these banks have been robbing people right. legally for however many years? Like, don't they deserve to get it turned around on them? Present some good moral questions. Would you steal bread to feed right. your family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. This is why I found it interesting, Drew, as we were talking about this movie. As I put in my notes, you know, we always talk about criticisms. Both of us couldn't really think of a criticism for this movie no and the weird thing is heath i like Wind river i know so what does that say i was thinking i was like all right so if david mckenzie was in that chair over there and he was like all right drew tell me what i should have done better i could not with a straight face be like well david you should have done that or you shouldn't have done that like it's 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 just really well-made. It's a really, it's a well-made movie. It didn't grip me as much as Wind River, but that's not to say that they did something wrong. I just, I think I connected a little bit better with Wind River. I think there's something to that. I mean, the movies that I like the most are the ones that I have an emotional connection with. Mm -hmm. And those aren't necessarily the best movies ever made, you know. Right. But they connect with me emotionally. But it sounds like this one did connect with you. This one does connect with me. You could say this, the ending is a little like, we just wrapped it up in a bow, we're done. Tanner sacrifices himself, Toby gets away, he's able to buy the ranch, bada bing, bada boom, we're done. But the standoff between him and Jeff Bridges at the very end, where he's like... Between Toby and... Between Toby and... The sheriff. Between Toby and the sheriff. (laughs) I keep doing the actor's names. Because he knows that Toby is, is guilty, but... They already closed the case, and he's not a suspect anymore, but Marcus knows. And Toby tells him he's got a place in town. He goes, well, if you ever want to discuss it, you come by my place. And then they just go their separate ways. We get a Chris Stapleton song, and we look at the sunset. That's how you end a movie, Drew. That's how you end a movie. Uh, great movies. Before we talk about which one we, our final verdict on which one we're picking as our favorite of the two, I want you to give me your top five modern Westerns, and how I'm defining it is pretty much any Western made since 1990. Okay, because I kind of cheated. I Well, I thought I cheated, but then I think I was actually within the rules, but two of mine are remakes. That's fine. That's um, fine. So I had True Grit, um, yes. which is also Jeff Bridges. I love that movie. Well, Haley Steinfeld's really good in it. I mean, like, Matt Damon is And great. Matt Damon's good in it. And I saw the original True Grit, too, the the John Wayne one. I've seen both. Yeah, we'll um, do an episode. Yeah, that'd be a fun one to do. But that one's really good. And I also did Three Ten to Yuma. You ever seen Three Ten to Yuma? Dude, I love Three Ten. That's a good one. Golly, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, and I've seen the original of that. A one, James too. Mangold movie. I'm a big James Mangold guy. Ford versus Ferrari, man. We gotta talk about. It. I think we're gonna do it with Ferrari, the new oh, one. Yeah, dude. yeah, that'll be a fun one. Both those movies are sick. <laughs> so I've got those two. That's um, a dad movie week. <laughs> yeah, it is. I threw Django Unchained in there. Incredible, fantastic. I'm a big Tarantino guy. Sands, The Kill Bills. Maybe I just haven't come around to him yet. Those are his weirdest, and he's already a weird guy, so those are a little out there. If right. that makes sense. But I love Django. Uh, Django's great. Really good movie. My uh, I did No Country for Old Men. That was that one seemed almost too obvious. Like, come on, you, you can't <laughs> not put on. No Country for Old Men in there. So good. Um, the only movie that we both have on our list in the top five, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And then uh, the last one, um, I put The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Have you seen that one? Love The Ballad of Buster I love 70% of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Does yeah, that make sense? that's fair. Well, and it's also, it's really, what an alternate title that you could give that one is a collection of Western short stories. Not as good of a title. (laughs) Not as good of a title, but that's really what it is. So, you saying you like 70% of it makes perfect sense. I also put in parentheses Power of the Dog. I didn't see it. Man, it got a lot of buzz when it came out, so I'm like, maybe if I get around to watching it, that one might actually sneak into the top five. I saw it. Did you see it? I was like, huh, that was weird. (laughs) Really? I mean, it got a ton of... I mean, I guess we've already denounced the Academy for being the, people, like, the, people liked, the best decision. The Academy ever. liked it. Um, yeah, I think it got kind of... Uh, just give it a watch. We'll okay. see. Um, Alright, what would be your letterbox for Power of the Dog? Oh, probably like three stars. Three and a half. That's, that's a bad Heath score. Oh, I'll tell you this. Three and a half is better than four in my book. Does that make sense? Nope. And I think you've already said <laughs> that on the show. It still doesn't make sense. <laughs> Callbacks uh, here's my top five. Hell or High Water is in my top five. Yep. Bone Tomahawk. Oh, dude, have you seen Bone um, Tomahawk? Uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. It's a director, Steve Craig Zoller, Although in the end of his movies, you know when it says directed by, it's always S. Craig Zoller. Very artistic of him. He's got three movies. He's got Bone Tomahawk. He's got Brawl in Cell Block 99, starring Vince Vaughn. I haven't seen it. Insane I've heard good things. film. Don Johnson's the warden in that. Nuts. And then Dragged Across Concrete, starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn as dirty cops. I'm telling you, we got to get you into some S. Craig Zoller. But Bone Tomahawk is this western horror movie. Hmm. And it it is gnarly, dude. But it rips. Okay. I'll put it on the list. And then I have Tombstone. Love Tombstone. Hmm. Just the way... Men talk to each other in this movie is as realistic as men talk to each other in real life. Especially about their emotions where it's like never explicitly said how much guys care about each other. Uh, it's great about it's a great friendship movie. I have Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. I believe won Best Picture in 92. I heard really good things. It is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It is the pinnacle of Clint Eastwood. Yeah, dude. That's, I mean, that's high praise. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then, obviously, No Country for Old Men, which, what can, what can we not say about No Country for Old Best Men? Coen Brothers movie? Best Coen Brothers movie, probably. I think so. And the crazy thing is, 2007, you had No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood come out in the same year. And those are arguably the two best movies of the 21st century. What a, oh man. Competing against each other. Dude. That's my top five. Your top five, too. Those those are good lists, I would say. Those are good lists. And I'll give an honorable mention, like you did. Mm -hmm. Logan. James Mangold's... As a Western. Yeah. Basically his superhero Western. Logan. If you ever see it, if you ever watch it, it's a Western. I want to watch it, but i got to get through all the other X-Men's... you got to get through it, man. Before I get to it. Because that is by far the best one. Okay. It's a phenomenal movie. Okay. Well, I'll get around to it. Which one are you taking? Which movie? I'm gonna choose Wind River. Good so call. The newer film, not by much. They're, um, I think they make sense because they're both written by the same guy, but they have similar strengths. I think I just Wind River pulled on my heartstrings a little bit more, and I love Renner, like one of my favorite performances of all time. Uh, you got a little Renner in you. True. Think so? Yeah. Renner in me. You got some Jeremy Renner. I'll take it. Uh, I'm gonna go Hell or High of Water. Yeah. I just, I, I connect with it a little bit more. But let me just say. No losers on this list. Absolutely not. These, what a, what a good These are two week. great ones. Um, and you know what? You've got some Jeff Bridges in you. Oh, man, I'll take that. <laughs> the dude abides. The dude abides. I can't wait for our Big Lebowski Inherent Vice episode. Not next week. You know what's next week? It's getting back <laughs> in theaters, Heath. I'm just telling you guys, the Tenant community, the Tenant Hive, get ready because we're back next week. Casino Royale And if Casino Royale was as cool as anything you've ever seen, Christopher Nolan's masterpiece, Tenet. We will see you next week.